the most competitive guy. I, I mean, I would throw on Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas, oh, yeah. Kobe Bryant. It's basketball. It can't be, you know, you, you can't overthink it. Hello, everybody. Terry Foster here for King and Foster. And I am out in the backyard, and I guess some animal died because it kind of stinks around here. I get a whiff. It depends on where the wind is coming. Uh, I'm I'm next to my little forest over here, and I think an animal died a minute ago. But um, that's my problem. Uh, we were talking about the lack of sports fans in um, sports in baseball now, and it just doesn't seem the same. To me, sports is not back until the fans are back. And, you know, that may not happen for a year or maybe two because of what's happening with COVID-19. But uh, I tell you one thing that I miss, and some of you younger people haven't experienced this, but what has happened to the sports characters in Detroit sports? Um, I grew up with uh, a guy named Gus, and Dancing Gus used to uh, go to Piston games, and uh, during breaks in action, he would be on the second level and he would just start screaming and i mean like a hawk just screaming and screaming and then he would dance so we don't have anyone like that in detroit there's no dancing gus at unless you want to include the uh dancing usher but this guy wasn't an employee of the pistons he was just a fan that showed up to scream during timeouts and to dance so i grew up with him the other guy that i grew up with was leon the barber and uh, Leon the Barber was an actual barber. Uh, he, he had a shop near uh, Rosa Parks Boulevard. Uh, he could hook you up with a nice haircut. But his big thing, he became a character because he always sat by the vis visitor's bench at the palace uh, at uh, Kobo, and he would just cuss out opposing players. In fact, Leon was so funny. He was so edgy that the opposing players at some point wouldn't even be mad at him they would laugh at it and you know and they he became friends with uh, some of the people he would talk, talk to charles barkley uh he would talk to west sunsell and, and some of the old timers because leon the barber was so hilarious and i think the pistons uh before he died they they get they paid tribute to him but he was one of detroit's great sports characters um some of you may remember the brow and i think his name was joe deeroth or deerdorf uh he was an old guy and he had you know you we you know we always call anthony davis the, the brow this guy had like a caterpillar going from this side of his face to this side and he was the brow and he was old guy wore uh old baggy clothes he was corny he would uh carry around a ketchup and a mustard bottle. And this whole thing was the team can't catch up because they can't cut the mustard. Now, it was corny, it was wacky, and you would look at him and go, oh my God, this is so stale. But he was one of Detroit sports characters. Today, we don't have that outside of the Detroit Lions. The Lions have a couple sports characters that's because they dress up as Lions. There's a guy that has the uh, Spikes, I don't know his name. He has the spikes on his shoulders. He has a mane. And uh, he's one of the Detroit sports characters. Uh, a guy who was making his way across the state of Michigan. Um, the uh, the Reverend of Roar, 
is a sports character that we have today. He is walking from the UP to Ford Field, and I think he's supposed to get there this Sunday. Uh, he's one of the Detroit sports characters, and uh, I think a lot of you have not heard of the Reverend of Aurora. A lot of you have not seen him. But before every Lions game, and hopefully it can happen this season, before every Lions game, home game, he's at the Park Bar in downtown Detroit. At high noon, he gives a, um, a sermon. And it's a corny and wacky sermon, but it, it, it always has to do with the Lions winning. It always, he's always making fun of the opponents. Uh, he, uh, he does shot toast and a lot of things. And he wears a, a blue and silver suit with, uh, uh, I think, like blue carnations and a big old lion's hat, blue cowboy boots. He's one of Detroit's characters that we have today, but we don't have many of those today. I think, you know, it's become too corporate. Uh, you know, a lot of the real fans, they say, you know what, this shit is too expensive. I'm not going to put my time in. I'm not going to go to games. I watch from my living room. And uh, and plus, we live in a society now that I've heard complaints from fans. When you go to a game, do you know what people say about you? You're making too much noise. What is that? How can you make too much noise at a baseball game or a football game? But that's one of the complaints that I hear. So I think people are too bashful or too shy or too, uh, have too many inhibitions these days to become a great sports character. Uh, for instance, I, we don't have any for the Pistons, not that I've noticed. Do you notice any weird people at Piston games? No. Red Wings? I mean, we have the knitting lady, but all she did was knit sweaters and gloves and stuff. To me, that, that, that doesn't count. But when you do something that stands out, that cheers the team on, that gets the team fired up, it gets the fans fired up. That's, it's almost like a Detroit cheerleader. We don't have cheerleaders in professional sports like we do in colleges. Uh, there was a big to-do with the Detroit Lions because they finally got cheerleaders, and the rumor was Mrs. Ford didn't want it, but she finally relented and let, allowed them to have cheerleaders. And you know what? What harm has it done? I think it's created a little bit more excitement at Lion Games. I like seeing them down there. And uh, I know they don't get paid a lot. That's the only thing I don't like. But, uh, you know, I, I'm fine with the cheerleaders and everything. But uh, as far as the characters, it's gone. And you know what? We may never see that again. And for you young people, I kind of feel sorry for you because you don't get to experience that. You don't get to see some old guy uh, that you can make fun of. And don't worry. That's never going to be me. I don't have the gumption. I don't have the enthusiasm to do anything like that. So that we have to find some other old guy. Maybe uh, maybe Maz to do it someday. You know, because he's a, a big sports fan. He loves everything. And I think we have a little problem over here with a bird is getting attacked. So, like, I'm in the wild kingdom here in my backyard. So we're going to get all kinds of noise and stuff. So uh, no... Um, no sports icons or anything like that. And, and in fact, no sports fans. Um, we had Tigers home opener. And I'm at every home opener. I had no desire to go downtown. And a lot of times, home openers, I don't even make it to the ballpark. I'll go down there because I know there's going to be thousands of people. We'll hang out. We have a few beers, some burgers, hot dogs, fries, whatever. It's just my binge day. But... 
you know, knowing that no fans were going to be in the stands, that not as many people were going to go down downtown. There was just no appeal for me to go downtown, even though my understanding had some specials and they had things they were inviting people to come downtown, but I just knew it wasn't going to be the same. So I missed that. And uh, sports, to me, are not back until the fans are back. So when y'all can come back and when you can fill the stadium, when I hear the hum of the crowd, where I hear the different cheers and everything, um, that's when sports are back for me. And uh, I think the sports that are going to miss the fans the most would be the NBA, because the NBA is based on momentum. Uh, The NBA can get the players charged up. The NBA can, uh, you know, instead of having an 8-0 run, maybe you have a 12-0 run because you're so jacked up at home. I think the NBA is going to miss the crowd the most. But I also think college football. College football is um, cheerleaders, the band, it's uh, leading the crowd in cheers. It's the cheers going, go blue at Michigan or go green, go white at Michigan State games or, uh, you know, just wacky things like that. So that's who I think is is going to miss the fans the most, college football. So college football is going to be dull. Maybe not dull, but it's going to be drab and dank and just not the same uh, as what we're accustomed to. And we're we're going to really see – how important the fans are in college football, if they do play. I'm not sure that they're going to do that. Do I hear Mr. King? What's going on? Right. What's happening? Nothing, man. I'm just, I was just talking about how we don't have um, sports characters like we used to. Uh, and these were people who did silly things at games, nothing illegal, but uh, they, like there was a guy named the Brow who used to say that, opponent can't catch up because they can't cut the mustard and he would have a mustard and ketchup bottle with him. And there was a guy named Leon, the barber. You probably heard about Leon, Leon, the barber. If you talk to any NBA players, cause he used to crush the opponents who used to come to the palace and to uh, Cobo hall. But uh, when you were at Michigan, did you have what I would call sports characters, people who are a little bit out of the norm that would show up for games and do things kind of crazy or was everybody pretty, chill at uh, in Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor was very conservative. That was one of the complaints that uh, we always had. That's why we lobbied to have the students come down to the lower level. Um, and they got a large section that started from the lower level all the way to the top. And that changed the environment. Um, and it helped us. So <clears throat> it, the crowd makes a difference. Um, there, there was a guy in Washington, D.C. I can't remember his name. I think he was just called the heckler. And, uh, I know you're talking about. Uh, uh, he he was a lawyer. He was he a lawyer. Directly he behind any guy. Yeah. Yes. And he sat directly behind the opponent's bench. And uh, he would say some things that literally, I mean, you, you had to try not to laugh. He was never, <laughs> he never cursed. He was never uh, malicious. He would just say things, you know, about your family. But it, it was, you know, it, it would be true. Or he would ask a question, um, you know, that might be suggestive. And it, he just did it in a funny way. It was very clever, very tasteful. And uh, I know who you're talking about, but he stole that. He stole that from a local icon here named Leon the Barber. Leon the Barber did this right. 
many years before he did. I think uh, the, the the guy in Washington heard about him and he started doing it too. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, you build relationships with players sometimes like that, as long as you're not malicious yeah. and racist and and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, correct, yeah. right? And, and, I, and I did hear you, um, you know, talking about how sport uh, is going to be changed without crowds, and 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 I'm gonna take it a step further. I think all sports is going to be dull, except for maybe, you know, you could watch. I could see golf or tennis, uh, individual, you know, sports like that, you know, where you don't even see, you know, swimming, diving, you know, stuff like that, where you really don't see the crowd anyway. But um, wrestling, but I think all sports are suffer that have uh, crowd-based, and it's, like you said, based on momentum. I was watching yeah, and- the NBA the other night, and it was just, no, I was like, you know, it's, it, it just, I don't know, it's just a different feel. It's just a different feel. It just looks like uh, glorified practice. Right. But you can, you can, you mentioned tennis. You can survive no crowd in the tennis because they don't want you making noise when the action stops anyway. You know, when somebody is serving, you got to be quiet. And if you say something beforehand, the tennis players get mad at you. Even if you in golf, if you, um, you know, take pictures too soon, particularly a guy like uh-huh. Tiger Woods will look at you and want to cuss you out. So I think they can survive no fans. Uh, it doesn't bother me in golf and tennis. But in places where you have team sports and people are rooting for somebody and rooting against somebody, that's where we're really going to uh, feel it. It's just going to be different and, and uh, you know, it's just – not the same and you know I'm, I'm curious about one thing is when if baseball is finished and uh the owner always gets up and you know i know it's bullshit and 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 they don't really believe it but they always want to thank the fans well we couldn't have done it without the world's greatest fans whether it's the washington nationals winning or the dodgers what are they going to say this year you can't say that we had the best cardboard yeah, well, uh, cutouts in, in all of sports, and that helped us. <laughs> Fans just pretty much shut yeah, up that, this year. That, that, that card, that, that, yeah, so, yeah, those, um, you know, elevator or, uh, you know, those type of speeches just won't fly. Um, it's just, I, I, I'm telling you, you know, this next year, year and a half, two years, it's going to be interesting to see how everything shakes out. Um I hope that we get back to normal um, where, uh, you know, we can attend games and go uh, to events and, you know, go out and socialize because this, yeah. uh, <laughs> this is, uh, you know, is, is really, uh, it's really changing uh, everything. Um, and, and it's affecting a lot of lives and it's affecting, um, you know, our future. So I'm I'm hoping for that. Yeah, and I'm hoping for a vaccine too. You know, there's, it looks like they've made some strides on some vaccines, and uh, they're at stage three and testing some things. So hopefully, hopefully, 2021, we can get back to normal as soon as possible. Jim, let me ask you something as a player, um, noticing the fans. Now, let's say that you've played Wisconsin or Illinois, whatever. 
and uh, they played at Chrysler, and you kicked their ass by 25 points. And then you go to their barn, and all of a sudden, maybe you're up two, or there's a tight game that could go either way. What is the difference? Do you notice that those players, that at least maybe the guy that you're guarding is more focused? Are they more energized? Or they, do they become different players when um, you're playing them at their, your place? What's the thing that you notice? Or do you just not have as much energy as you did when you were at home? No, it's a lot of different factors. Um, you're traveling. Uh, you're away from home. The other team is more food familiar with the rims, the angles, the dead spots on the floor, uh, you know, how how uh, the ball bounces, how you got to touch it. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of different factors. You also have uh, players who play better at home that come off the bench, you know, the seventh, eighth, ninth player who normally don't get a lot of playing time, who uh, may get a few minutes here and there create a spark and then you got the family so it's, it's you know who, who's showing up and so it's it, then you got the referees you know who may uh who may be a homer <laughs> and so there there's a lot of factors that go into uh getting a win on the road that's why it's it's to me um even with the crowd the crowd the crowd effect you know bearing down on you it's, it's so satisfying going into an opponent's home and and beating them it's it's one of the best feelings as a as a player that you would ever have yeah now i've always suspected this i want to hear from your perspective i think that sometimes the home crowd can intimidate refs referees always deny this Nope, I just call it how I see it. It doesn't matter right. where I am. <laughs> always the stock they get inside their head. Huh? The, yeah, those stock answers again. <laughs> right. <clears throat> I, I, I spent my career getting stock answers. Sometimes I believed it, and a lot of times I didn't. Whenever they said that, no, nah, no, nah, it doesn't matter where I am. I'm just going to make a call. I don't, give, I don't give a shit about these people. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, you know, I'll stand up and do what I got to do. And sometimes they do make <laughs> They do make tough calls against the home team late in games sometimes, so maybe some of that is true. But during the course of the game, you could tell, well, I want to make sure I got out of here alive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. They do. They do. I, had a, I had a referee who I will not name because he's very high profile. However, <clears throat> I ran into him at the airport. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is probably – 20 years right after my college career and mm-hmm. and he stops me in the airport and he just looked at me and he apologized to me <laughs> you know he just apologized he was just like i apologize because i just at that time didn't really understand you and understand you guys <laughs> right and i was like wow and he refed many of our games mm-hmm well, I tell you, uh, the worst call I ever got against me, I was playing intramurals at Central Michigan. We were playing softball, so I know this is not the big time, but there was this, uh, I grounded out to the shortstop, and I had a little bit of speed. I ran to first base, and I look, when I touched first base, I looked, and the ball was halfway across the diamond, and then I crossed first base, 
and was walking back to first place, the umpire caught me out. I'm like, dude, what did you say? Yeah, he said, oh, it was bang, bang. It was real close, but he just nipped you. I'm like, dude, he may have nipped me <laughs> on the way coming back to first. Even that would have been close, but uh, I didn't, you know, I, you know, so it was I know you, I know you, T, you probably had some choice words for him. I, no, I, I didn't. No, I, I thought this. He's a student like I am. He fucked up. What am I going to do? I, I didn't yell at him. I just <laughs> questioned, what did you see? That's all I asked. And he explained. I said, okay, fine. Do your thing. Now, but you, I, you, you know, you find, that's usually the that's usually the case, though, is that, mm-hmm. you know, you can um, usually speak to the ref for the most part, and uh, you can persuade them to make calls or at least, you know, look at things or not make calls or, you know, um, or look at things a little differently differently throughout the, the course of the game. Yeah. Well, I used to be an official uh, – in uh, in college, and uh, mm-hmm. I think that my my most controversial call was um, there was this uh, fraternity, the Sigeps, or they call them the Speeds, and uh, there was this one kid. He was a hothead, and uh, he used to piss me off every time I ref this game. So uh, I may have called a tic tac call, maybe, and uh, and then uh, there was a rule that if you slam the ball you could call a tech on somebody. So he mm-hmm. had the ball and he slammed it. And I immediately called a tech on him, man. You thought it was going to be a riot in that place. Uh, I, I dare you to do this. You can't do this. Blah, blah. I said, it's in the rule book. So uh, mm-hmm. they went nuts. They were pissed at me, but I didn't care. Hey, those, those are the rules. So I'm going to stick by the rules. And I, and I made trouble. Too, so. Hey, wait, but there's a difference. Sometimes you can slam the ball and catch it. Did he just slam it and let it go? Yeah, I, I mean, it went, uh, we we had like bleachers and it like, it had to go like 15 rolls up into the bleachers, man. He just slammed <laughs> it. Oh, well, yeah, you got to call it that. He was that. bad. Yeah, yeah I said, you that's have to. I mean, yeah. But, but, but if he slams the ball and he catches it, like if he slams it real hard and he catches it and or, right. or block it and don't let it go anywhere or, you know, it only goes a couple of feet high. Would you call it tech then? No. You know, he was just pissed and, you know, and, and the game can keep going on. You know, we had to we had to spend like two or three minutes to get the damn ball because it was so, so far. <laughs> now, I would have let him slide. Not... <laughs> I tried to be tough, but not unreasonable. <laughs> well, I guess it's a smart – strategy right hey dude i'm curious <laughs> throw the um, ball in the throw the ball in the stands take a breather that's a free time out <laughs> right uh i wanted to ask you for something uh as going through the recruiting process the university of iowa how are they from this point forward how are they going to get black ball players to play football at iowa i don't know if you caught the story but um the players, current players there have been squawking about how there's unequal treatment for white players and black players. There was one player, a black player, who was forced by his strength and conditioning coach to run around the field with a yellow plastic garbage can on top of his head. And the black players who saw that said, 
There's no way they would have had a white player do that. It was humiliating. And now they're sounding off. Um, how, and you know, if, if you've heard things like that as a kid out of high school, as a black athlete out of high school, how can you go to a school like that and play for them and like everything be okay? How are they going to get black athletes there? Right. So absolutely, we cannot. There's going to have to be some kind of uh, administration, uh, internal uh, change, and then outreach. Um, because the players, if you know, if the players aren't being heard or respected, then um, they're going to start, you know, sounding the bell. And, and blowing the whistle as they should. And <clears throat> the kids who hear that and see that, you know, now it's, you know, obviously uh, they'll know about it. And when they get on, or if they choose, the black athletes, if they choose to take a visit there and they see for their own eyes, if, uh, the administration or the coaches are able to convince a player that you know that's not the case um i can see them you know still getting a player or two but uh overall this is devastating for the program and i see no um them you know coming back from this uh especially if uh there's no um really change yeah because i know if i let's say i was a sophomore at iowa and um and, and, and kids, they, you know, you host a recruit or something, and they ask me, hey, what's going on around here? I would tell them the truth. I, I, I don't want to be responsible for someone coming to my school, and I know there's a problem, and this kid comes in here and has to experience that problem. He could never, I, I would believe he would never be able to trust me as a teammate. I would tell him the good, mm -hmm. the bad, the ugly. I would just say, hey, this is what's mm -hmm. going on around here. Come at your own risk. You still want to come here? Absolutely. I'll support you. We teammates. We good. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's why they should yeah. say they should sound off. They should say uh, <clears throat> they should you know tell the truth and uh, and again there there will probably be some you know players that and there will be there'll be some some players but over um, overall yeah I, I I don't see them getting or at least high level talent. I mean, it's tough getting, you know, players in the, in the in the first place, and this is a serious black guy, especially with the climate today. You know, the, the kids are much aware. You know, um, uh, Black Lives Matter, um, all the racial um, tensions that's going on across the country, and really, you know, tension is not even the the term. is is really uh, banding. Uh, or, or uniting is, is really what I'm seeing. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I hope that the, the you know, uh, white players who are also on that team speak up and tell the truth and speak out because that will also, you know, help change and, you know, put, put them back on the fast track if they really want to change the program and, and turn it around. Thank you.